This is KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. We're barely eligible here on KC Sports Network. I'm Tucker Franklin, hanging out with Matt Lane. We are talking, well, we were supposed to be talking the ACC preview, but a little bit of news happened in college football that we have to uh, talk about with our ACC preview. We're still going to preview the ACC as we are here, and we are breaking down and previewing each conference uh, each power five conference, I should say, if we got another group of five, it would be a whole mess, a whole other mess <laughs> we could do. But uh, <laughs> Matt Miller is not joining us on today's episode. Matty, it's just you and I. How are you doing? Well, listen, Tucker, um, I'm going to have to ask for more money. We're going to have to figure out this revenue split. I'm going to need more to come my direction. or I'm going to you know, have to start looking around and taking my talents to a, a different conference. Podference, that's good. Uh, maybe, maybe podcasts do need conference. Maybe, pod, maybe we can create our the first and only podference, um, in the history of podcasting. Listen, that, that I mean, we kind of have it already. I mean, like, you know, look at the look at the KCS and local college shows. Like, you, know what I mean? you know what? I do think that networks are basically conferences. Think about I mean, that's that how, one that's how they're bit. getting paid now. That's how they're getting paid now, right? CBS is yeah. big in. ESPN is SEC, you know? It's- oh, well, okay, yeah, that's how it goes that way. I was also thinking just like podcast <laughs> networks in general that have multiple co- podcasts are conferences. <laughs> uh, but no, you made a really good point because literally this is all for like TV, as Maddie alluded to. This is all for like TV revenue stuff. And uh, ding dong, the Pac-12 is dead, basically, as we found out on Friday you know what, Maddie? Let's go ahead and run through just like a timeline of events. Uh, and, and let's chaos. start with yesterday. Thursday. It was it was absolute chaos. Let's start with Thursday, and I kind of want to get your reaction to like each event that happened. Uh, because when Colorado, our last recording of a podcast, Colorado going to the Big Twelve became official, and ever since then there was that mystery team out there, right? Because 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 they always said that it was going to be Colorado and another team going to the Big Twelve. There was a mystery team out there. UConn was rumored for a little bit. Um, I think there were come other ones, but the big one was Arizona. Arizona was big and rumored. They kind of sorted that out at the beginning of the week. And, and by Thursday, there was some real movement to Arizona becoming a member of the big 12 as the Arizona and Arizona state's border regions. They're the same border regions actually. Um, which is an interesting in itself, but uh, they met to discuss the their future affiliation with athletics. And Arizona left the meeting expected to accept an invite to the Big Twelve. Arizona State was still mulling their future. Let's keep it there with those two schools because something else happened on Thursday. But I want to get your thoughts on Arizona accepting an invitation to the Big Twelve. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week. I think like that that made a lot of sense to be the partner for Colorado. It gives you, you know, this natural, I don't even want to say rival, but another team off to the West Coast. It brings in a school that is good at basketball and football, something that matters to the Big 12. And it kind of shoots your reach out if you're the Big 12 out into the, not quite California, but close there in Arizona. There's a lot of like high school talent moving that direction. So like Arizona is a school that made a lot of sense to go to the Big 12. I think that was probably the least surprising move that we are going to talk about because I think UConn was rumored, but Arizona, I think, always made a little bit more sense, seeming football matters more than basketball, and Arizona gets you both. The Arizona State part of it, again, kind of makes sense. Um, I think Arizona and Arizona State, similar to UCLA and California, like the University of California, they're kind of like tied together. So like UCLA has to give California a certain percentage of the money they make from the Big Ten stuff 
already. So Arizona would have to do the same where Arizona state, if they pass like I, Arizona state following makes sense to me is essentially all I'm trying to say out of it. Cause that money kind of yeah. has to split up between the two schools anyway. So I wasn't surprised to see their name starting to come up into it, even though I don't know if Arizona state provides a lot. It just, at this point in time, you know, <laughs> might as well. Location, location, location. That's what Arizona State provides. They 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 provide Tempe is yeah. what it comes down to, uh, and I'm sure that a lot of Big Twelve uh, members would love a lot of Big Twelve students. I should say would love to. Well, will love to travel uh, to Tempe, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Because I agree with you. I think Arizona does make sense. And when the first realignment was kind of rumored, if you remember about this time last year, when the Big Twelve added uh, UCF, Houston, and, and the four schools they have now, Cincinnati. And BYU, they talked about adding the four corner schools, which I mean, that's Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, was it Utah as well? Uh, so that was the four they talked about adding. Um, I'm not, I don't know who, what the four corners are. You can correct me in the comment section. It's okay. Um, but but anyway, uh, we also have at the same time the story coming out about okay, what are Washington and Oregon going to do? Because it was rumored that Washington and Oregon were both in the talks of joining the Big Ten. Uh, I even talked about last week how Brutus the Buckeye posted a picture with the uh, Oregon Duck about saying big things happening. Uh, like that, it, it had been in the works. There, there had been talks about them getting up there. But on Thursday, uh, Washington, their Board of Regents, conducted a 95-minute meeting. That does not sound fun. Uh, behind closed doors, but no action was taken. Again, I think that everyone had a good feeling what Washington and Oregon were going to do at this point, Maddie. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, on Washington and Oregon's kind of decision-making process leading up uh, to their eventual decision? Um, it sounds like the Big Ten was a little bit more after Oregon or that Oregon was a little bit more open about trying to see what options were available for them out there. And Washington, being a you know a good rival for Oregon, also a pretty quality market and a good team, was you know this like very likely to come along person or you know like friend of Oregon that you want to be there. But it, it didn't seem like Washington was the the person at the the front of this kind of movement. And so that's why Thursday night they have this big huge private meeting. <laughs> and not that they just finally got invited; they had no idea it was coming. It just it seemed to me like Oregon was kind of at the front of this, ready to go. You can't just really accept one team. That doesn't really work when you're after even teams and then especially moving yeah. halfway across the country. You kind of want to bring somebody along with them. So it only made sense that if Oregon kind of got started getting close to a deal that Washington would go along with it. And it sounds like that started to come together Thursday night as Washington kind of met and started to figure this all out from, from their side of it. It's very interesting too. Let's jump forward to because like those those meetings happened like late at night, especially Central Time and Eastern Time. Like those meetings happened late at night. Let's jump ahead to Friday morning. We're recording this podcast on Friday night. I think we that should be noted because for clarity purposes, because literally anything can happen at any moment. Uh, but Friday well, morning, going to bed Thursday, but, things were starting to the the hype train was starting to die down a little bit for these teams leaving the Pac-12. I think as yes. we went to bed Thursday night, it looked like it seemed like things were starting to come down. It sounded like the Pac-12 might, you know, might be having be on the right path to saving itself. Like I feel like that's what the vibes were actually falling asleep Thursday night. But sorry, now you can continue to the next morning. That's 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 my point because on I believe Friday or Friday morning. It was reported incredibly early 
uh, in the central time. I can't imagine how early it was in the in the West, the West Coast time uh, that there was a very serious steam for the Pac-12 to stay together, for those teams to stay together and Oregon and Washington not go to the Big Ten. I know that there was some apprehension with the Big Ten and some of the ADs with taking more West Coast teams. I, I think that that was kind of a part of the deal, but then it also came down to Washington and Oregon as well. And mixing all of this too is the Pac-12 had a deal from Apple on the table uh, for their media a rights. weird deal, yeah. It, it wasn't a good deal at all, and it had to be like their only deal. Uh, I'm trying to look up it the was terms of best- it, it was their best yes. deal. It was incentive based. Essentially, it was yeah, okay. the See. base was relatively low, but there was incentives to get people to sign up for some kind of like I don't know if it was local or like essentially signing up for the Pac-12 network unrebranded and then they were going to and they were incentivized to like sell that and then they could maybe match like roughly what the Big 12 got if they got a certain number. It was it was not a good sounding deal whatsoever. But that was the best thing. Correct. A lot of people believe it was about $20 million annually uh, per school. So, and that would be 10 million less than the big 12. And that would be so much more less than the big 10 and the sec. Uh, So they were kind of in a very tough spot when it comes to that, but a lot, but by Friday morning, as I, as, as I was mentioning, they thought they were going to sign a, a a deal. Like they thought that they were going to get that done. And then everyone was going to stay together and, and that grant of rights was going to get signed, but it was very short lived as Oregon and Washington kind of steered the ship. They accepted invites to the big 10. As I mentioned, some ADs were hesitant, but ultimately they were accepted unanimously into the big 10. Uh, and I'm very curious. what your thoughts are of their fit in the, in the big 10, Maddie. Hey, the big 10 finally got fun. Right. Like that's <laughs> that's what's happened with conference realignment. The Big Ten is now fun, and the four most fun schools are all on the West Coast as part of the Big Ten. I I am not I, I don't hide it. You know, I the Big Ten brand of football in college is not is not my favorite yeah. my cup of tea. So now all of a sudden you're gonna introduce <clears throat> the Washington fighting fighting Penixes on the granted, he won't be there once they get yeah. there, but still Washington. Oregon with Dan Lanning, you're going to bring in Los Angeles, two schools. Like you're adding a lot of flavor to the big 10 that I don't know if the big people that like big 10 football are ready for. It's like, I like it. I, I have no allegiance to any big 10 team. I don't care about your rivalries that you want to protect. I just want to watch fun college football and the big 10 just got a lot more fun. I don't have to avoid all of those conferences games until Michigan plays Ohio state the final week, you know, like it's all good now. (laughs) Right. Uh, I I'm the memes have been actually top notch too. Uh, when it comes to like all this conference realignment stuff, I was just looking through if I could find uh, what a proposed, there's a proposed like conference split uh, between it. Uh, yeah. The West would be Washington, Oregon, UCLA, USC, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern. Um, and the West is way more fun than what the East would be because it's obviously Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, Michigan state, Illinois, Purdue, Indiana, Rutgers, basically the same uh, Big Ten East at this point. I I guess they add, who do they add, Purdue? I don't know. This isn't a Big Ten yeah. show. Uh, I, think, I think it's Purdue, but it's very close to the same uh, conference, but just adding uh, those to it. Uh, I, I do think it's really interesting, but you're as you mentioned, those are the most fun teams in the Big Ten now. 
are going to be uh, those West Coast teams. Also, that should not be overshadowed by like them joining the joining the Big uh, Ten. Uh, Utah and Arizona State applied for Big Twelve membership. Like they said, all right, we see the writing on the wall. We got to get out of here. Good move for Utah, by the way. I think Utah could be really benefit from bringing the Big Twelve. That could be a fun Big Twelve team. Uh, but Arizona State again, like that's like Mizzou going to the SEC. I'm sorry. Um, Arizona State going to the Big Twelve. Yeah, that's that's my call. As a Mizzou fan. I said it. I I love Utah to the Big 12 because I'm just envisioning it. Five years from now, UCF is going to be going to Salt Lake to play the Utes with the Big 12 on the line. The winner gets to go to the championship game, and it's the UCF Knights having to go to Salt Lake. They have to have the most messed up map, right? Like the Big 12 out of everybody. Like West Virginia to uh, Pro, Provo's BYU, but like – are they in Salt Lake City? Where's Utah? BYU? Utah, Salt no. Lake City, yeah. Okay. So Salt Lake City, I don't know where Provo is in Utah, but like Utah to West Virginia, that's a that's a high but then UCF's in there. You're going down. That's, I mean going down to Florida. True. Then you're shooting up to Cincinnati, which I mean, I guess like is in like what southern Ohio or whatever, but still like yeah. yeah. They're, Kentucky, they're yeah, all over basically. the place. It's just, um, it's going to be so funny to watch a Big 12 game that matters. I mean, I guess you could even say out to Arizona, right? It's just the yeah. you know, Rice Eccles Stadium there in Utah. Like, it's a terrible place to play. Ask Pac 12 teams how happy they are to not have to go in there, especially in November when it's cold as heck up there because the way that stadium yeah. sits. I can, just, I can just see it now. UCF in those little astronaut uniforms looking cool <laughs> as hell, but just getting the brake speed off of them in Salt Lake City in a game that matters. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Big 12 so funny. Um, I, I kind of love the Big 12 just because it's, it just seems fun. so random. It is they, fun. They, they bought in. Like, this isn't a Big 12 show. We're yes. it, but they've completely bought into just having fun. Like, it's just the conference is fun. And they're paying them like that. They're like, okay, yeah, yeah. $30 million, which one ton of money. But they're like, that's not even coming close to competing with the SEC or the Big 10. They're like, here, yeah. have this amount of money. Have fun with it, and we are going to create the most chaotic brand of football we possibly can. We are going to add in BYU and UCF and Houston, but then we're going to throw in the Utah Utes on top of it, it's, and we're going to bring in Coach Prime. Like they just are having fun. There's so many different brands of football, and that's what makes it so good. You talk about the Big Ten being a boring, boring brand of football. <laughs> Big Twelve right now does not. The Big Twelve had the like no defense brand for a little bit. The Big Twelve is just like. Whatever you want to do now, it's like it's just like a they're the wild card. Triple option. Just can they get can they pull army in? No, I think army's moved from it. I think army's it, moved. It's navy it, now. Yeah, because the rules don't allow you to chop block outside the tackle box. Like the triple option to die, but like still, the Big Twelve right. needs a triple option team just to round out the bingo card. I think Georgia Tech finally moved away from it. Uh, sadly, but that'd be a good fit. Um, but before we we hit a break, Maddie, I do want to talk about this. Was from Matt Fortuna on Twitter. Atlanta. We talk about all of <laughs> right. We talk, we talk about all of this, uh, the money that's going around. This is uh, this is what he tweeted out. Matt Fortuna, source: Oregon and Washington's annual cut of the Big Ten's revenue distribution is expected to start at thirty million dollars. By the way, ten million dollars more than the projected like. Uh, deal that Apple would have given them and grow by $1 million each year through the length of the current deal. They will receive full shares upon the next TV deal in 2030. 
30 that's not a real year 2030 and 2031 they can borrow off future earnings so basically they're not getting a full revenue split from the big 10 but still getting more money than they would have in the pac 12 not a good look for the pac 12 that's why the pac 12 is dead yeah, I don't know the legalities of this. I do wonder if after a couple of years this can be reworked or something, or if they just simply add enough teams, if they can redo the TV mm. deal. Like, I don't know how any of that works. That's That seems to be a long time, and I don't know. Do you happen to know what the rest of the Big Ten teams are making? If you don't, it's okay. It's just... Uh, I don't no, I'll look it up real quick if you want to stall. I don't know what kind of handicap they're working at, but, like, I mean, going, what, is it going to be six seasons? Seven seasons? Being that's handicapped? A that's yeah. a pretty... That's a pretty big deal if if it's like a significant difference. So that's just that's the only thing that jumps out to me. But still, like you said, that's more than they were going to make. It's growing each year, and then they're already in on the ground floor once they hit the next TV deal. So like, I, it makes sense. Like you you don't want to be Oregon and Washington and be left sitting out after the corner schools already leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12, and then you're just kind of like completely stuck. So jumping out early even for a little bit less money makes sense. It looks like, according to the Sports Business Journal, the article that I just found really quick, and I'm skimming it. Uh, I, I think it said uh, fifty bill or fifty million. Sorry, uh, is what the schools make, which that's a lot. They just signed a new deal too. Um, yeah, so that also plays into it. Uh, it does. It's worth um, more than eight billion. Okay. Holy cow! So we're getting far off topic of things that we are, uh, that you and I are, (laughs) should be trusted to talk about, but this is what the big 12 did good with their TV deal. Every new team that comes in makes the same as everybody else. They get the equal sharing. So like, that's where the big 12 is a good thing. Like here, Oregon and Washington are playing at a stark disadvantage in terms of, you know, the revenue they're bringing in from the rest of the big 10 for now. I mean, it says they can borrow from the future earnings and whatnot. So like they'll be fine. Overall, I just wonder if they really will have to go seven years of playing at this kind of deficit. I mean, and it's only growing one mil per year. Like they're still going to end it yeah. making ten million dollars less. Than I don't know. It is interesting. Um, I'm just looking at some of the other deals that kind of go through college football. The SEC's uh, has the SEC Network and ESPN, right? That's a ten-year deal with ESPN. That's a total of seven point one billion. And the average value is $710 million over the span of the next 10 years uh, for each school. So, I mean, like, the money's insane. The money, there's more money than I could ever think about in my whole entire life. But, uh, yeah. Go so, Mizzou. Maddie, <laughs> go Mizzou, baby. Mizzou made. Uh, so, let's uh, so let's take a break. And then when we get back, let's talk about, like, where the Pac-12 goes from here and the, and the teams that kind of got left behind. Six we'll be right under. back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. We're back on Barely Bowl Eligible here on KCSN. I'm hanging out with Matt Lane. I'm Tucker Franklin. We're talking conference realignment before we get into the ACC preview. But, uh, Matty, uh, there are some teams that have just been left in the dust. So let's let's give a quick recap. Like As it stands right now, Arizona and Colorado, I believe, have been confirmed to the Big 12. Uh, I don't know if Arizona's officially been confirmed. I think they were actually voted in. They accepted at the very least. So like ex- that's yes. pretty much a done deal. Okay. Uh, Colorado for sure has, has been accepted as well. Oregon and Washington are to the big 10 Utah and Arizona state have applied for big 12 membership. As we're recording this podcast, I believe the big 12 is having a meeting as we're recording uh, and they do expect to be accepted. So the PAC 12 is now left with uh, the mighty cow bears, the cow golden bears, oh. Uh, the Stanford Cardinal, Washington State, and Oregon State. The Pac-12 is now the Pac-4. Eddie, where do they go from here? Gone. I don't. Yeah. I don't think there's anything you can do. Um, so you could maybe try to reach down and pull four. Is eight teams enough? Is eight I don't think it's enough. enough. I, I don't think eight enough now. I really don't. I think they have to and have like, at least. Yeah, and so I think they just have to dissolve, and they just have to go to the Mountain West, make the Mountain West great again. And <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I think Cal might just be done with football. I know they've come out and haven't yeah. said that, but like football doesn't matter to that school whatsoever. No. They care about their Olympic sports and the money that football brings in, but now football is clearly not going to bring them any money. Did they want to keep jumping through all these conference hoops? That doesn't sound like something that Cal wants to do. Stanford doesn't want to either, but they at least started making some changes this year to be somewhat competitive in football. I think mm-hmm. Stanford could survive as an independent if they didn't want to join a lower conference. I think that there might be enough there for them to survive as an independent um, if they wanted to go that route. And I mean, Washington State and Oregon State, just go to the Mountain West. I mean, yeah. just do it. Yeah, they could run the Mountain West. Um, what, Maddie? What do you think the chances Boise. are? I tweeted this. <laughs> That's true. I shouldn't count out Boise or those Fresno State Bulldogs. Um, I, I, what are you? What are your thoughts 
on maybe those two teams, those like conferences merging, making like a Mountain Twelve or a or a Pac West uh, type of conference uh, with with those other teams and like coming That's what they together. should do. Yeah. No, no, they should do that. Um, the issue is, I don't. You would want to keep the Pac Twelve name because it just carries right. a lot of value, even if it's all new teams. But I don't know if you can have six to eight new non Pac Twelve teams and only have four Pac Twelve teams. <laughs> Of those four, them being California, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington <laughs> State, and then claim you're the Pac-12, right? Like, I think that was my question of if four is enough, if eight teams was enough, you could maybe call yourself the Pac-12 because you at least had half the returning members. If you're adding 16 other teams, I don't know. I don't think you can get by with it. I think that's, I think I'm going to call sh- shenanigans. You can no longer call yourself like, I don't think the Pac-12 has any leg to stand on if they get eight more teams. Like, you can't call yourself the Pac-12 anymore, right? You I agree. You, you can't have the name that name. You have to take the other name at that point. But maybe, maybe it is just like the Mountain West becomes that next Power 5 conference. Yeah, well, mm, so I guess this all kind of curtails into the ACC, which we're getting to next. Yeah, it, uh-huh. it, there's no longer power. There's no five power conferences. Let's, let's call it straight up. I don't even yes. know. Is there four or is it just, or are we well on our way to two? Cause I like the big 12. I said, it's a lot of fun football. They're not competing with the sec and the big 10 going forward. The, I mean, we are, we just talked about the money. The big 12's brand new deal is $20 million less per team than what the big 10 got. And it's and even yeah. more than that, less than what the sec got. So it's a big two. Followed by another two. Is the Mountain West really going to be competitive with what's going to be left of the ACC in a couple of years potentially, or what the Big Twelve have? So like, it's just I don't even know where we go. I think you just mm. Mountain West is now the best Group of Five conference. Oh, they're battling it out with no. The American lost everybody, so yeah, American the best, did lose everybody. <laughs> the best Group of Five. The the American teams went to the Big Twelve. It's what happened, and I think the American actually took on a bunch of Conference USA teams because I think North Texas is now in the American. Uh, UTSA might be up in the American. Uh, the Blazers UAB is up in I think the American. Look at me pulling all this stuff out of here. Um, that is incredibly James interesting. James Madison though. hanging out in there too now. Like well, James Madison's not there? allowed to like compete in anything because they're too good. <laughs> they're better than everybody. It's so insane. They get up, they get up from FCS and they say, Yeah, you can't actually go to a bowl game because you're still on like probation, even though you won what was it? They won eight games last year. Uh they were good. They they won the conference? No? <laughs> yeah, they were eight and three. Yeah. They were eight and yeah. three and they won the conference essentially. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess they, they won the the one side or whatever. And so mm. yeah, but they couldn't compete because they said, Nope, you're still under probation. You your school puts funds your football team with too much money for this conference you're not allowed not really that's not why but they do give it a lot of money it's two-year probation too like they can't they can't do anything this year either like if they if they win the conference they're not going to the college football playoff sorry oh man it's chaos man it's chaos everywhere then like i said yeah how many years until the acc is doing the same song and dance as the big 12 as the pac-12 it's coming up right they're they're on a tear they're on the worst tv deal Right now, they are on by far the worst deal, and they're locked oh my in. Gosh. Yeah. And they're locked in. Florida State's openly talking about, like, hey, like, we're going to start looking at overseas funding companies to see if they'll buy us out so that we can look somewhere else. And like, Clemson and Florida State are voting for 
players share or like revenue sharing with players. They're like the only two teams in the ACC, which is weird because the ACC is not making that much money comparatively. So right. are they already expecting to get out? Like the ACC is coming. Like the ACC is going to take note of what's happening in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. Get out while you can. That's a 20 year deal. Like that, that, that deal does not expire until 2036. That's so insane. Sh- listen, shout out to the ESPN lawyers for finessing that deal. Like, honestly, you can't even, you can't even be mad at ESPN at that point because that is an absolute finesse job of a deal. So I, I guess that leads us perfectly into the ACC, right? Because I, I, I'm i with you. I think it's really going to be like, I think the ACC is the next to go, right? Because I think the Big 12 is kind of been like, okay, we'll be the best of the rest conference, basically. Um, and I and I, I think it's kind of Big Twelve. I can't wait for the Big Twelve just to sit back and just hold off. Let the Big Ten and the SEC start poaching the top teams from the ACC, and they just start <laughs> coming in and sniping the fun middle teams like the Louisvilles or yeah. Wake Forest. Right? They, they yep. just snipe out all these middle ground teams just to make more chaos in the Big Twelve. I'm so excited for that now. The Conference of Chaos. I, listen, I'm with that, uh, but no. I, I, it's it's let's let's get into the ACC. Uh, the preseason poll, not a shock that Clemson was picked. Uh, Clemson, I feel like you're just gonna, you're just gonna pick them. This is what you feel like. Uh, number two is Florida State. Number three, North Carolina. That is a clear tier of uh, teams right there. Uh, four, NC State. Five, Miami. Tied for six, Duke and Pitt. With uh, eighth, Louisville. Ninth, Wake Forest. The uh, Sam Hartman era in Wake Forest is over, so it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes. And uh, Maddie, you and I had a conversation about this. The gap between Wake Forest and Syracuse is pretty large at 10. Uh, but then the gap between Syracuse and Virginia Tech at 11 is pr- also pretty big. It's about like the same. I'm doing the quick math. It's about, well, it's a little bit more from Wake Forest side. But there's there's a Syracuse is firmly 10th. Virginia Tech is 11th. Georgia Tech is 12th. Boston College, 13th. And Virginia, 14th. Um, any surprises on that poll, Matty? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think it might be surprising to some people to see Syracuse so low after a pretty good year last year, but they lost a fair bit of talent and I mean, Syracuse is nothing if not inconsistent from time to time as a football team. So them checking in there isn't a surprise, I guess, but it is funny to see the numbers. Cause yeah, they essentially have like the biggest and then like the third biggest gap is around them on both sides. Like they just, yeah. they're very much isolated on their own intent. And I mean, like with, so since Matt Miller's not here with us today, we're going to do this show a little differently in case we haven't found that out as we've chuckled through conference realignment for half an hour now. Um, but like we were kind of grouping some teams together and Syracuse is just left sitting out <laughs> in a group on its own because yeah. it didn't really fit with anybody else. And it kind of doesn't fit with, like it's by itself here in this too. So it's, I mean, I guess it's good for them that they're on their own. Give me, Give me one nice thing about Syracuse for this upcoming season, Tuck. I I think that one good thing you could say about them is that you like don't know. Like there, I think you, there's like potential. Like you know, you don't know what you have there. Uh, Syracuse is well, an Garrett Schrader's been there for 13 years, so I know That's what he's true. got. That's true, but I mean, they lose basically their offense in Sean Tucker. Um, <laughs> Tweet games going down. <laughs> Tweet game, tweet game. Is he is he on an NFL roster? By the way, did he get picked up by somebody? Uh, he had the medical issue, so I can't remember now. That's um, right. He had okay. the medical stuff going on. He had to do his own pro day. Um, real quick, yes. Aranda Gadsden, uh, giant wide receiver, 
for Syracuse. They, mm-hmm. I think they actually list him as a tight end so that he can set records legitimately. I think they list him as yeah. a tight end, but he just plays wide receiver. But I think they have him play as a tight end so he can like look better at the records or whatever. He's a good yeah. player. Um, he is an oversized wide receiver, undersized tight end, but he's a good player. So he's he's fun to watch. That that's the nicest thing I got for them right now. I think. I will say their their offensive line is experienced. They've got a lot of upperclassmen in that mm-hmm. in that uh, offensive line, and I think that you know. Sean Tucker did have a, a decent amount of success at, at, at Syracuse last year, and I probably a big part of that is the offensive line. I think that they've got a lot of guys back. They got, it looks like everybody except one, well, one guy's a redshirt sophomore, and they have all junior. So they have, they go, oh no, redshirt sophomore, junior, senior, redshirt senior, uh, senior transfer, redshirt senior transfer. So like they've got some experience on that, on that, uh, offensive line that, you know, could be good, especially you talk talk about Garrett Schrader. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna need some of that protection there uh, with that offensive line. But yeah, you're right. Syracuse, as a guy who bet on Syracuse a whole lot last year, wildly inconsistent. Uh, <laughs> you never knew which team you're gonna get, and it's always so fun to watch uh, watch a game in the carry. I don't think they call it the Carrier Dome anymore, but uh, whatever it is now, it's it's a fun it's a fun little uh, game to watch. Yeah, it might be All the right, so- Dome. Yeah, I think it's the RCA Dome now. Um, all right, so this is what we're going to do for the rest of this. I, I kind of teared off some of these teams. I'm just going to ask you questions for these these groups and to see what you think. So we're going to start. Let's let's start at the let's start at the bottom. I'm going to go reverse order this time. Um, you already okay. read the order. Let's start at the bottom. Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and then Virginia. Those are kind of the bottom four teams we assume here of the ACC. That's what the voting came out with. I kind of agree with that. Out of those four teams which one do you think stands the best chance to kind of surprise everybody and maybe make a push to not necessarily compete for the ACC championship, but like to, you know, finish in the top half of these uh, standings at the end of the year. Mm, that's a good question. I know a lot of uh, Boston call. I've seen a lot of buzz about Boston college, but I don't necessarily buy it per se. Um, they're, they're a team that I think is, is pretty interesting. The the tech schools are also really um What's the word? Uh, I, I do think that there's a lot there with the tech schools that that, that are in, intriguing. Uh, but Boston College could be one that's like sneaky. I don't think they'll like make a bowl game or anything. Like, I don't think any of these teams are making bowl games, right? I should clarify that. Uh, but maybe maybe Boston College has the most ground to gain, right? Uh, that rather than uh, the other schools. What do you, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, for Boston College, I think last year they had so many injuries to their offensive line that a lot of those guys are coming back now. So they do have an experienced offensive line. You know, that team's always been competitive. They always kind of punch up a little bit from where they've been. So, like, I mean, I I could buy in on them having a little bit of a bounce back year. Uh, But, man, I don't know. The the talent gap seems to be there. I I think I'll take Virginia Tech um to probably be a little bit better just kind of return to what they may have been 10 years ago 15 20 years ago uh Brent Price there now he's had a little bit of success kind of as a coordinator and stuff uh or as a defensive coordinator around college football I think he's at Penn State for a little while um I forget where he was before that but he, he's been around a little bit as a defensive coordinator you come into the ACC you can play good defense there's plenty of teams that finish in the middle of this conference that just play good defense and run the football kind of well Virginia Tech can maybe get back to that. They are in a talent-rich area for football players. I mean, the, you know, the yeah. Virginia area has a lot of good football players. Virginia Tech finds a way to get really good athletes 
consistently coming to that program. So maybe they just kind of hit a good stride this year. I don't think they have an overly tough schedule and they can just pull off, you know, an above 500 season within conference play. They do have, uh, they, they got a, a trio of, of transfer wide receivers as well. Um, which can be really interesting in there. So that wide receiver room as well. So uh, Virginia Tech is is one of those teams that that could be uh, could could be one. I, I like that. I like that pick a lot, Maddie. But before we get on to the next group, I gotta throw to our last break here, and then we'll be back talking more ACC. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, we're back on Barely Bowl Eligible here on KC Sports Network. Maddie, what is the next group of teams we're going to be talking about? Oh. Okay, next, let's um, let's go with NC State, Pittsburgh, and Wake Forest. Mm. These three teams, they're the same team every single year. They're a little bit better some years. They're a little bit worse others, but they're the same team. These teams have identities. NC State and Pitt, they're going to dominate you on the, on the trenches. They're going to play physical, defensive-minded football, and they're going to make offensive teams hate their life, and they're going to win ugly. Wake Forest is kind of the opposite. They're going to run the slow mesh, they're going to air it out, and they're not going to play a lick of defense. But these teams are always what they are. They've had a lot of success in the ACC. Which one of these three teams is going to bounce back and has the best chance to compete for playing in the ACC championship? Is it NC State? Is it Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. Is it Wake Forest? Interesting. As I mentioned, kind of when we were talking about when we were just doing the ACC rundown, you know, Wake Forest, they lose Sam Harmon, who had been there forever. I think uh, he's he's basically been the identity of the of that team. Uh, they don't bring in a, a transfer quarterback right now. It looks like Mitch Griffs is going to be their starting quarterback. Pitt is a really interesting one uh, because I think that Pitt always finds ways to hang around game. And I don't know if like Keaton Slovis was like the best quarterback for that offense. Truthfully, he was not. Uh, he, I don't know if he was a, I don't know if he was a good quarterback full stop <laughs> period. Um, uh, so uh, you look at, and Pitt brings in f- three transfer quarterbacks this year. Uh, they're stuck in kind of quarterback purgatory trying to figure out who they're going to have. They bring in, uh, Phil Jerk. How do you say that? Guy's last? Jerkovich. Jerkovich. Okay. I was going to say Jerkovich, but I was like, there's no way that's how you say it. I should have just trusted so- my gut. Also, fun for that, they also brought in uh, Frank Signetti as their offensive coordinator. Was he there last mm. year? I can't remember now. Um, he uh, he might have he might have been there last year too. Um, but he was Jerkovich's offensive coordinator during his good season at Boston College three years ago. Now, before all the injuries, so there could be some you know some similarity between quarterback, at least one of their transfer quarterbacks, and their offensive coordinator. I think Keaton Slovis post elbow injury at USC has been a terrible quarterback. So like, yeah. I do think their quarterback play will improve. They're going to cycle mm-hmm. through some running back. That's going to be competent. The offensive line is going to be mauling for the conference. The defense will be good. That, that's why they're, they're my pick. I think it could be a salty yeah. game because they just might get a slight boost to QB play. And if you give them, because get quality, Kimmy Pickett wasn't great. Yes. He had a great senior year there for them, but like he wasn't a great, college even college quarterback but like that team when they had him was really good so i don't know they're my answer sorry you you can get back to whoever you had now no and and that was kind of my thought process of like all these teams offensively while they have their own styles seem somewhat the same as you were mentioning but i think it's going to come down to the defensive side of the ball to what separates these teams and i think it is 
probably Pitt uh, when you start to look at how they're how they are made up defensively. Wake Forest is such an interesting offense, though. I'm curious to how like a new quarterback. Well, I guess they didn't bring in a transfer. Would like, I don't know if you can come into that offense right away. Like if you're a transfer, come into that offense and be like, okay, I can I can do this. That makes sense why they didn't probably bring in one. Um, but we didn't really mention you know North Carolina State either, which weird team because like last year, like sometimes I was like, man, this team is this is a good football team, and then sometimes I was like. That's maybe that's not actually a good football team, and and I don't I don't I really don't know if they're going to be this year at all either. I don't have a great read on them. I I yeah. no I never do. Their defensive line is going to be good, and they're going to have a playmaker in the secondary somewhere, and that's every single year for them. And then offensively, the offensive line is going to be good. They're going to have some big ballers up there on the offensive line, and then it's a matter of what can their quarterback play. I know Devin Leary was hurt last year and didn't play particularly well for them. He's since transferred to Kentucky, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So he he's out. They brought in Brennan Armstrong. That's a familiar mm-hmm. name for ACC fans is now in there. I don't have a ton of trust there. So like, that's why I'm a little, I'm a little lukewarm on NC state, you know, year in and year out. They probably have the best talent of these teams. They get the best athletes, the best star rating of guys coming out of high school. It's just, I don't know if I trust the quarterback play and I just always struggled to get a great read on NC state. So th- that's kind of where I just kind of steer clear of them for the most part in terms of projecting or betting on them nc state has a tight end uh he looks like he's a graduate his name is trip Pinnix. is he related to the other one <laughs> I have off no topic idea. but i just i was just looking at the roster and i saw that and i was like i didn't know um by the way as we're recording this podcast sorry uh, i did tell you guys we were doing it on friday night arizona state and utah have uh officially left the pac-12 and they are going to join the uh big 12 in 2024 Woo! Uh, that is now um, breaking news. By the time you listen to this podcast, you're already going to know that. But that's breaking news to us right oh. now as we're recording this podcast. But well, look, well, look at the Big 12. Be happy. Big 12 may have lost, you know, their their blue chip teams in Oklahoma and Texas, but they got a better one back in Utah. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Utah's a good school. I, I don't. <laughs> Caleb Williams hates to play Utah. I'm just, I, I've said it last everyone, week. Everyone, Williams, everyone hates, hates Utah. to play Utah. It's his kryptonite. Big 12 teams are not ready for the size really and the physicality <laughs> of that Utah football team. They're really there's gonna be a big difference this year Ooh. for like UCF and Houston and those teams stepping up into the Big 12 playing Big 12 athletes and players. There's gonna be another thing coming when, when Utah shows up and Iowa State thinks they're just gonna run over Utah's <laughs> defensive line. Does Utah become the Big 12 favorite uh, immediately? Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's what I was thinking, but Yeah, no, no, for sure. I don't even I don't even know if it's close. I mean, like I, I don't know if it's close. I don't think so either. I think it's uh, Utah's conference to lose at this point. We're we're talking ahead. Cam Rising will probably come back. Who knows? Uh, he's probably got another year of eligibility uh, somewhere. We, we can look around and find him one. Okay, Maddie, sorry. Back back on track to the ACC. No, we're good. We're almost done. Uh, what do we have? How many more? We got two we more have? groups. Um, okay, this next one, groups. Miami, led by Mario Cristobal, Duke. Yeah. Um, oh God, I just completely blanked on Duke's head coach's name. Um, is that Mike oh, Elko? You got it. Right. Yes. Yes. Yes, Mike Elko, and then Louisville has got Brian Brom coming in. All <laughs> new-ish coaches. Brom's obviously first year. The other guys are second year. 
which one of these new head coaches, first or second year head coaches, is most likely to take their team to the ACC championship game this year? Duke was on the fence last year. They were so close, but with the super easy schedule. Schedule gets a lot harder this year. Louisville has arguably the easiest schedule in all of Power 5 football this season. It's like, which one of these teams do we think is most likely to get close to that ACC championship game? So what what makes me a little weary about Louisville is the first year head coach type of deal uh, type of situation. Probably shouldn't get as you know worried about it as as I do. I think I like Miami. Um, when I start looking at kind of uh, who they brought in, I mean, listen, they had they had uh, Jake Garcia. He transfers obviously to Missouri, but they uh, he, he he was a very highly recruited prospect, but he was just beat out um, by by Tanner Van Dyke. So I like what they have at quarterback there. They bring in a redshirt uh, tie, uh, a transfer tight end, sorry, and they bring in some reinforcements around the offensive line, which I think is going to be uh, really important for them too. Uh, I, I like I like the way that Mario Cristobal plays football, like calls the game, coaches a football team. Like I, I like that, and I like to watch Miami play football. So maybe that makes it a homer pick, but like, but I, cause I enjoy watching them play, but like, I can, I can see them make some noise. I think year two with the improved recruiting um, is where you hopefully see the benefits. If you're Miami, they what recycled both coordinators from last year because they were quite frankly bad. <laughs> and so they got new guys. Like you hope that works. If it doesn't work this year, if the Miami is not competing for the ACC championship, like they're not competing to be there. That's bad. And I don't think Mario yeah. Cristobal will be on the hot seat because he's like their guy. But like the talks will start swirling because that team has way too much talent. The defense should yeah. be really good this year. That offensive line, just like any Mario Cristobal offensive line should be good. So like, I think they're the correct answer. But since, you know, you went there, I'll go back to the Blue, Duke Blue Devils. Um, I think Michael had, had that team working pretty well. It, it, I think it's an older team now too. Um, I think they have oh. a lot of guys that came back for their senior season or a... Um, uh, red shirt senior year. They have uh, Riley Leonard as their quarterback. He's not the best quarterback in the ACC, but he's good. He's a quality college. He reminds helmet scouting be damned. He reminds me of Daniel Jones while at Duke, but more so even like New York giants, Daniel Jones. Cause he, he uses his athleticism better. I think than uh, Daniel Jones did while at Duke because it wasn't the cut club system so on and so forth. But like, they just have a fun team. They have a fun offense. They have like eight guys named like Jalen and Jordan that play like running back slash wide receiver slash tight end. It's like a bunch of guys that are just interchangeable. They don't have any real positions. They just kind of play all over the place. And it makes it kind of hard to figure out where guys line up. They, they play like people like we, we played Madden back in the day or yeah. NCAA football back in the day. They just have a bunch of offensive weapons playing everywhere. You get an older veteran team with a second year head coach. Maybe they can make another run. Maybe they really are as good as what was their record last year. They had like nine wins or something. Uh, maybe they really yeah. are as good as that nine win team that they were last year. So like I'll, I'll ride with the Duke blue devils for one more year and see if the wheels fall off. You mentioned them being an older team. 13 of their 22 projected starters are either grad transfers or seniors. Um, so they do have some age on that team, which could be a benefit, uh, especially when it comes down to trying to make a run uh, for the ACC. But all right, Maddie, what's the last group that we got? Final here? one. Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina. Which yep. one player from these three teams is going to mean the most for that their team's success? Like if let's say this, let's say if we yeah, pick yeah. a team that if they win, if they win the ACC, which player is like the reason why, which player kind of has that much pressure building on them. So this, 
I don't know if this is my, I was going to say this is a cop out answer, but I don't know if it really is. I think for Florida State, it's Jordan Travis. Like I, th- I think, I think that he has to be, he has to be like very good. He has to be Jordan <laughs> Travis the whole season uh, for them to be like if 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 they're going to win, if Florida State is going to win the ACC championship, Jordan Travis has to perform at the level that we expect Jordan Travis to to perform at. I think, um, and and I don't think that that's too like safe of a pick. But like if you think about Florida State. They kind of last year were like lived and died by how he was. And if he can just be a consistently good quarterback, like, you know, we know he can. I think that Florida State can really get in contention for that title. Yeah, um, they brought in uh, who was it? Keon Coleman. Um, He's a wide receiver transfer from Michigan State. Jaden Reed, yeah. his teammate last year, just went in the second round of the NFL draft. I think he was the first wide receiver taken in the second round of the NFL mm-hmm. draft. I mean, Keon Coleman was a better wide receiver for Michigan State. He's probably going to be a better prospect too. And he just winds up on Florida State. Oh yeah, who already had Johnny Wilson, another quality <laughs> wide receiver prospect. And like he's now their second. Johnny Wilson's now their second wide receiver. So like they have weapons. That defense brought back essentially everybody, if I'm not mistaken. Jared Verse came back. Um, Fabian Lovett came back. I'm trying to think. Did they lose anybody oh. in the defensive secondary? I can't remember. Like. They brought back most of their players. I think they lost the safety. Um, they brought back most of their players on defense. Like, yeah, they should compete if Jordan Travis can stay healthy. I don't even know what's about his play. It's his health. If he stays yeah. healthy, they're going to compete. And I think Clemson's the most likely to win the ACC. I think they're due for, for sure. a, a bounce back. But and listen, we want to talk about players, the pressure on them. That's going to, you know, their team's not going to go as far as they carry them. Look no further than Drake May with North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> If we can make everybody can say all they want about Caleb Williams. He's probably the number one pick. He's probably the best quarterback going in college football. But if there is not a single player in all of college football that has to do more for their team, than Drake may has to do for the North Carolina Tar Heels, whom have one of the worst defenses in all of college football, who just lost like their top three receiving threats. Now they did bring in two transfers that should, you know, end up going pretty well for them right away, hit the ground running. But like this team doesn't have anything without him. They're right. they're down there with Syracuse if they don't have Drake May. That's just like where the talent of this team lands them, and they have Drake May, and that's enough to get them a couple first place votes in the ACC. So like, if he comes out and has another Heisman level year, his production last year, Heisman level, it's right on par with Heisman winners of the recent yeah. years. He's the one guy that can push Caleb Williams, the best quarterback in the country, for that number one overall spot. If he does that, like, hey. They're right there. They have a chance in every single game, kind of like they did last year, just on the back of and arm of Drake May. So, like, let's get that Heisman campaign rolling out. I want to see it. I want to see him come out and outplay Caleb Williams and steal that trophy. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, you talk about North Carolina uh, and just kind of who they have around them. There was only two players elected to the 2023 preseason All SEC or All ACC, excuse me, uh, football team from North Carolina. Obviously Drake May, but then Tez Walker as well, the wide receiver, mm-hmm. uh, received 51 votes at the wide receiver position. It's crazy. Uh, but transfer from Kent yeah. State gets <laughs> it's All ACC votes, just like showing up, just stepping up in competition. They're like, here you go. Like, yeah, you'll probably find. Uh, but like, okay, you look at the defense too, Cedric Gray, uh, North Carolina as well as linebacker. But like you talk about Clemson, they had the most guys on this ACC um, preseason, all team, all ACC team. Everyone. Yeah. Jeremiah Trotter, a guy that, you know, people are going to be looking at Tyler Davis. We're just looking on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they've got, they've got some dudes and, and Fentrell Cypress from Florida state uh, too. He, he gets a, uh, he gets a little bit of a nod here Jeez. at this, but uh, yeah, Clemson even 
Will Shipley is going to be a good big player for them at, at the running back. I don't know how much the running back is really going to play a role in their offense, but I mean, Will Shipley is a good one. Um, he is a he's a good running back. Their, they just need wide receivers to step up. They've had the same catch point wide receivers that just haven't been as good as T. Higgins or Justin Rossworth for them for, you know, yeah. I mean, just injured Justin Ross included, just haven't been what they've always been. And so they have all these guys that are six foot two, 200 plus pounds that can't separate. Like it's all what they are. I think Antonio Williams is probably a guy that's due for a big year for him. I think he's a sophomore this year. He led the team in receiving yards last year as a freshman. It's kind of mm-hmm. up to him to step up. Like he's a guy that's got a little bit of a different, um, like feel to them. And like maybe one of their other young guys can like step up and do a little bit of something with them. I don't know who it's going to be. Like they just need, they need some offensive weapons to step up to give Cade Klubnick yeah. somewhere to throw the ball. That's not to a six foot two, 210 pound wide receiver with corners draped all over him every single play. Well, that's the thing too. You, you look at this uh, all a- ACC team and you see, uh, so like, as I mentioned, Will Shipley is on that team. And now these aren't everything, right? But like I know that like these are voted on by the media, and, and what do they know? But all of the <laughs> they they have the most players on this team. They're all on the defense, uh, and and that's yeah. that's kind of how it is right now for Clemson. Is they have Will Shipley, and then the defense. Will Shipley was on there twice. He was the all-purpose guy, um, um as well. But it's a very very interesting uh, to see that. And you talk about the preseason player of the year, Drake May gets that award. He gets that nod. I don't think that's a surprise. Jordan Travis was about 22 votes behind him with Will Shipley uh, firmly behind uh, Jordan Travis as well. So those were the top three vote getters for the ACC preseason player of the year. I don't know if there's any rub to that from this podcast. I think we pretty much agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, And Jared Verse probably should have got, I think Jared Verse probably should have gotten votes over. I think he um, got one vote. I I think he should have gotten votes uh, over look. Will Shipley. I like Will Shipley, but like he should he should have gotten some votes in there. But I guess if you were going to vote for Florida State, you probably went to the quarterback and Jordan Travis. So like maybe that's where the split is. I mean, Jared Verse got 136 votes for uh, the defensive end, um, all at ACC. Yeah. So I mean, he might have maxed it out. Yeah, I think he got the most votes of anybody at any position. Yes, he did. Should have. So uh, that that makes sense. He doesn't actually get a vote for preseason player of the year, which is kind of interesting. Tyler Davis does get a vote. Riley Leonard, uh, Jeremiah Trotter got three and Will Shipley got 17, as I mentioned, but um, that's the ACC. There it is <laughs> for now, for, for now it is actually, <laughs> I know that like the con- contractually, like they have to stay together because of that contract, but it is actually kind of insane that they've been able to stay together. It's so expensive. It's so expensive to get out. They can't get yeah. out. It's too expensive because of how long it goes. Like realistically, for a college to pay their way out, it would be four more years before it's even affordable. And then here's the bigger issue: ESPN has the deal. ESPN is not going to let them get out of it just to go to the SEC that ESPN also owns. ESPN right. gets nothing out of that. Like they're like, well, that that does us no good. You're paying us just for us to put you back on there. Like so. It's they're in a weird spot. It's going to be hard for them to get out. They're kind of only I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But like I don't think they're long for the ACC. Those top teams, the Clemson or Florida State's going to start it. They're going to leave, and yeah. then teams will follow suit. Miami to the SEC is going to absolutely slap. Miami just, and Florida State. I'm here for Georgia. Te- you said I'm here for Georgia Tech to the Big Twelve. Just the team that makes the least. <laughs> I think that's sense. the one. <laughs> just the least sense. <laughs> 
I think the Big 12 is trying to hit all 50 states. I think that's what they're trying to do. <laughs> getting like Atlanta's Georgia Tech coming to the Big 12. I really would love to see them score a, a, the Pittsburgh Panthers. I think that would be also hilarious. <laughs> that would be good. But then you, you'd have the backyard brawl back. <laughs> oh, that's that's what everybody needs. And then those those what the Big Twelve will be at like thirty eight teams by then. So like every four <laughs> years when Utah and Pittsburgh play, it's just going to be a bloodbath. So it's it's this is how it is. This is this is how it is. It's two sixteen team conferences, right? The, the the real the real teams plus Missouri, and you have them in the SEC and uh, the Big Ten, and then the Big Twelve is just like the the chaos. Just, just 32 is... teams the next thir- the next <laughs> best 32 teams i think we solved it i think we solved conference realignment get it's us on, get us on the phone brett your mark needs us advisors <laughs> it's done and so is this podcast thank you maddie for uh previewing the oh, acc man. with me on this wonderful friday night you're listening to this probably on saturday but we Unhinged. appreciate you guys listening to us it's absolutely unhinged podcast. Uh, uh, barely bowl eligible here on KCS. And I think we really lived up to the name today, Maddie. I think we lived up to the barely bowl eligible name. Barely allowed on air after this one. Pretty much. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. We cannot wait for the college football season to get here. Next week, we will be back. I think it's just going to be me and Matt Miller previewing the Big Ten. Maddie's dipping out. We said we're going to preview oh, the Big Ten. And he said, I'm out of here. Um, so we'll I touch not be able on the to four best that. teams before <laughs> right that's why Maddie. that's why we got a little bit of big 10 talking today but uh, that's gonna do it we'll talk to you later thank you for listening to kc sports network we appreciate your support don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard you can find all six of our channels covering the chiefs royals sporting kc and the kc current plus ku k-state or mizzou by searching kcsn wherever you listen to podcasts We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.